Greetings, fierce parents. Ryan here. I just wanted to do a quick intro to this episode. This is actually our first interview on the Fierce Parenting Podcast, and I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say I couldn't have chosen, uh, by God's grace, a better couple to do our first interview on this parenting podcast. Now, here we have Dave and Ann Wilson with us. They have been the hosts of Family Life Today, their radio show, which is a nationally syndicated show. They've been pastors for decades, planting churches. They're very wise. They've raised uh, children who love the Lord, and they just wrote a book, and it's called No Perfect Parents. And I'm hoping and praying that as you listen to this episode, that you'll be reminded that God uses imperfect parents to his perfect ends, and that we can rest in him, find encouragement in him. And I hope some of that encouragement is found today as you listen to this episode. So do listen all the way to the end. I can't tell you how amazing this content was. You just have to hear it for yourself. Um, and so I hope it blesses you and uh, we'll see you on the other side. This is Fierce Parenting. Where we believe that kids are a blessing. Family is God's idea. And everything about parenting is discipleship. So leave the blame, shame, could-haves, and should-haves at the door and join us for gospel-centered conversations. Welcome to Fierce Parenting. We're here with our friends Dave and Ann Wilson on the Fierce Parenting Podcast. Dave and Ann, how are you guys doing today? Thanks for joining us. We are good. Yeah, it's awesome. great to be with you. So you you guys are are ministry veterans, right? And you've you've been doing ministry for. Are you trying to say been alive? You're trying to say we're old. I get it. No, no. I get it. You can say that. That's okay. They're legends. You're legends. So yeah, for for the benefit of our listeners who may or may not be familiar with you guys, can you give us just a uh, a 50,000 foot view of, of what you've been doing for the last 35 years. <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, we got married 41 years ago, oh, so wow. 41 years. And we went right out of college into full-time ministry with athletes, with a, a ministry called athletes in action. So spent a couple of years at the yeah. university of Nebraska seminary, got a master's of divinity. And then we went to Detroit and started a church called Kensington and I was the Detroit Lions chaplain for 33 seasons wow. there. And then in the midst of that, we had three sons. Wow. Um, those three sons are now married. All of them are married and we have six grandkids God. and we're done with the church now as of December. Well, oh, we're not wow. done with church, but yeah. we're done working there. <laughs> Our church is over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, wow. and, the, and the crazy thing, it's a long story, but the crazy thing is when we were starting our church, and told me she had lost her feelings for me. And that was year 10 of our marriage. And oh. I had no idea. And that's a whole nother topic. But that moment uh, where God really sort of did a miracle and saved our marriage. And I'm not saying in one night. Yeah, it wasn't overnight. But a decision at that moment when I realized we we're in trouble. Because I was sort of giving my life away to ministry and the church mm. and the Detroit Lions. And I was giving my life away to the kids. Like, oh, he's out. So I'm just going to pour into the kids because it feels like he's totally not invested anymore. But my mm. bitterness and anger just kind of swelled. And we hit a crisis point in our marriage. Oh, wow. And so anyway, after that... Um, you know, we've been working on our marriage ever since, and God started using that story to give us sort of a marriage ministry and platform. So we started traveling around the country and talking about what we call vertical marriage, yeah, which is uh, the book that came out of that too. And so that's that's really sort of what we've been doing, those yeah, kind of and things. Guys, and you guys are the hosts now of a Family Life um, today, right? Yeah. Or yeah, and that's mm -hmm. a and you guys, yeah, yeah and that's that's an amazing. And you've been doing that for how many years? 
Family well, we've been involved with Family Life, uh, speaking at their Weekend to Remember marriage getaways right. for 30 plus years. Yeah. And we just started hosting the radio uh, podcast two and a half years ago. But in two yeah. and a half years, we've done almost 600 shows. So, wow. yeah, so hardly any. <laughs> yeah, hardly any. I'm not saying we're any good at it, but we've done a bunch. They just threw us in the deep end. And We've been floundering some, but we're yeah. loving it. No, I love it. So and we and we had you guys on. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. great. So that that was that's a lot of fun. You guys are really easy to talk to, yeah. which I think our listeners will pick up on. And so, at being interviewed by you is is really easy and fun. So uh, we don't we think you're good hosts. So hopefully, oh, we can reciprocate here. <laughs> you will. So, so you'd mentioned it. So in the middle of the marriage stuff that you were going through, you, you you started the ministry Vertical Marriage. You do the Vertical Marriage retreats. You wrote a book called Vertical Marriage. But today we're talking about not marriage. Marriage will come up, but talking about parenting, you wrote another book called No Perfect Parent. Which is such a good title. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, yes, I'll take 10 of those. I'm going to give nine away to my friends. Yeah. So what's with that title? I think that's probably the first place to jump off is what, what, what do you mean there's no perfect parent and why is that relevant and important uh, for us? We're us being parents and other parents listening to this. Well, it's funny, like coming off of our first book, Vertical Marriage, we just thought, hey, our second one will be called Vertical Parenting. But we sent our manuscript into the editors at Zondervan. And as they were reading it, it was great because our editor was a guy with young kids. He's a younger guy. And he goes, hey, as I'm reading this, I'm picking up on some things. Yeah, he said... All you guys keep talking about in your book is how you're not perfect and, and your kids we, aren't perfect and how we fail and all your mistakes. So we're going to change the title. And we're like, what do you mean you're changing the title? <laughs> but they, they came up with no perfect parents, which I agree was a much better title. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I really do think as parents, we all struggle. I mean, our, our boys now are in their thirties. They're married. We have six grandkids, but I think as parents, we strive to do it well. You know, we all have that, image that if we do it poorly, our kids are going to be on a counselor's couch the rest of their life, you know, <laughs> talking about their parents. And so we want to do it, not perfectly, but we want to do it really well. And yet we, I think we all feel that we fail constantly. Well, and and we, 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 we really wanted to try to say to parents, we're all going to fail. You're going to mess us. You're going to mess up, but that doesn't mean you're doing it poorly. You know, keep working at it. We're raising, you guys are raising your kids in a culture. I feel like, mm -hmm. I feel so sorry for you because of social media. You know, mm -hmm. you're constantly in comparison. We'd be in comparison to our friends. Now mm -hmm. it's, you have the world, Yeah. <laughs> you right. know? Right. So that's a heavy load to carry. And I think parents can feel bombarded, guilty, and feel like they're constantly failing. Wow. Right. And that brings a lot of shame, I think. Yes. Uh, and into our, it can burden us with a lot of shame into our identity. And then we start compromising mm -hmm. or we start, you know, if we don't have any, you know, priorities or values or, or things that we, you know, we, we've allowed the Lord to have the authority in, we're just mm -hmm. going to flounder. We're going to yeah. yeah. give into whatever that identity call is or whatever makes us right. look like we're thriving or whatever at sacrificing, you know, our children on the altar of that. So, and again, as I, as you guys just said, you, you sort of feel like a failure. You think other parents aren't messing right. up like you are. I mean, right. Anne shares a story in there. Maybe you read it about being frustrated with our kids one night when I was gone and I walk in and catch her wallpaper because i had kicked a hole in the wall people <laughs> yes. she's not the only wife <laughs> well, i have news for you wallpaper won't fix that <laughs> she covered it up pretty good but you know the boys were little and they ran to the door to tell dad what had happened it was awesome that's amazing 
Well, you you know, be free to kick a wall. Actually, don't kick a wall. I don't want to fix it. <laughs> I punched a door. Yeah, we've, we've done the punching of doors. That's kind of uh, our style. Yeah. So, I mean, that you raise a good point. Like, social media is like this minefield of comparison for parents, not to mention the issues it creates in the hearts and minds of our children, right? Yeah. So I think more than more than ever, it's important to be very kind of laser-like focused as a family. So if you could, um, I know you share some of this in the book, but uh, what is your family's mission statement? How does that make an impact on your parenting style on a day-to-day basis? Well, it is interesting. Uh, you know, the subtitle was the one secret that will change your parenting. And really the secret is Jesus. You know, we're not trying to say that that isn't it. If You know, because yeah. it's totally different when you bring a God perspective and help from the word of God to parenting. But there's also, we thought there's this other secret that it's sort of a question a lot of parents, and we didn't do a good job of this either. They never ask. And the question is, what are you trying to raise? And the reason you know, we don't kind ask of adults? that, the reason we don't ask that is because we are just bombarded. <laughs> you know, we don't even have time to be in the bathroom by ourselves, <laughs> let alone come up with a mission statement. Right. It's too true. It's too true. <laughs> and so I think we just try to survive the days. But I think it is important, as Dave said, to take that time to be intentional, to think, what is our goal? What are we trying for? What do we want God to do in our family? And so, you know, we sat down as young parents and again, our kids never really knew this. Even as they became adults, they never knew what was mom, you know, mom and dad's sort of mm. mission statement. I don't think it's critical that the kids know, but I do think it's critical mm. that we know as parents, single parents, blended families, you name it. And so we sat down and we didn't write a perfect one and we only put it in the book just to say, here's an example yeah. We weren't trying to say, hey, copy ours, because I think yeah. yours would be different. Every parent's, every family would be a little different. Because each person has a different identity and different passions, different gifts. So it should look different from one another. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you want, you want me to tell you ours? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Let's get it. Yeah. I want, I want listeners to hear it. Yeah. Because here's the other thing. When you hear it, you're like, I don't even, I don't even understand it. And it's because it's unique to us. Yeah, but absolutely. it was simply train and launch l3 warriors that make a dent where they're sent and and i'll break it down real quick but that's awesome i mean (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) warriors making dents yeah you raised boys we can tell yeah yeah we had had three boys so it sort of fit fit us but ephesians 6 4 says fathers don't exasperate your children but raise them in the training there's our training word and instruction of the lord so we thought there's an aspect of training that, that is part of our job as parents. And I think it's a big thing to understand because we often think, well, it's the church's job to train our kids spiritually, or it's the Christian school's job. And they're wonderful partners with us. But I think we got to realize, no, it's God's put it on us to train and yeah. instruct. Amen. And so there's the training Amen. aspect. We didn't do that perfectly. The launching aspect, and we get into it in, in the book in the teenage years where you're sort of launching them. Uh, really from Psalm 127, it says children are like arrows in the hands of, a, of you know, an archer. Right. And so you're launching them toward the world to make an impact. At the end, when we say make a dent where they're sent, it's just my way. I'm a preacher, you know, so that was my <laughs> cute on. way of saying make, you know, make an impact wherever you go. And so we always try to stress to our, our boys, and it's true for us and you as well, is that you, God has uniquely gifted you, uniquely created you you know, Psalm 139, and you have something to bring to the world to advance the kingdom of God. So even when they're little boys, we're trying to step back as parents and say, you know, what is CJ? What, what, how's he wired? What's what's the unique thing that CJ, our oldest, brings? And then Austin and Cody, and then help fan the flame to say, man, God put you on this planet at this time 
to make a dent where you're sent to just not live, but literally yeah. impact the world. To live on purpose. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, as parents, because we are in such a demanding lifestyle and our lives are busy, I think sometimes what we don't remember is that our kids are being discipled by someone. And if it's yes. not by us, yep. it's by the culture. Yeah. And so if we are passive in it, you know, the world is constantly bombarding them with their values and what they feel is like, mm -hmm. whatever is the norm for the day. Yeah. And so they're looking for us. It's on us, which can feel overwhelming, but man, I think it's so important. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what a joy. Yes. I mean, to just to be in that place, I think, yeah. yes, it, we, anything added to the parenting plate, no matter how big or small <laughs> it feels heavy and like yeah. a lot uh -huh. but knowing that you know that mission statement is is that stepping stone to the eternal work that you're doing in the hearts mm. of your children and that god has mm. placed you as their parent the imperfect you right for yes room for him to be able to sanctify and yeah. um, produce what he wants to in them because of you know our lack or our imperfections mm. and i like what you picture. i i like that you said what he's producing because I think sometimes as parents, yeah. we think, oh, I'm going to produce this type of child. And it's not, it has nothing to do with us making them a certain way. It's mm -hmm. bringing out who God made them to be, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, all the gifts and the strengths to, to let them live all of that out. That was our goal. Cause they're all so different, and but I mean, we had, yeah. yes, to take those seeds that we plant. Um, yes. in those tired moments. And we, 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 uh, submit ourselves to God's word. We're going to instruct our children and disciple them. And we don't see any of the fruit <laughs> and we're trusting like, <laughs> yeah, it takes a long it time, takes time to, grow, to grow. And, and that's where you, you, yeah, he's producing that yeah. fruit in their hearts. And we can't, no matter how hard we try, we can't like force the fruit to grow. <laughs> God has to grow up from within. That's so yep. huge. So a lot of our listeners being that this fierce parenting podcast is just right. starting out. And a lot of our audience yeah. tend to be parents of young children, there's other um, stages. Yeah. And there's other stages. And we, I do want to get into the, the stages of parenting that you guys talk about in the book, but Dave, I, re I recalled an anecdote in the book that made me laugh out loud when I read it. Uh -oh. You may know which one I'm talking about. And it's the one where you're doing a church conference and you're, you're it's one recording, you're, you're it's, it's recording it and you're talking about how you'll never get a nap again in your life. What happened in that? Yeah, that was sorry, pretty, kind of like <laughs> that was pretty funny. It was actually at our church. Saturday night, Ann and I were given the message on parenting. And the next day, it was a long story, but we were going to be on video at all eight campuses. So that doesn't always happen because other times other preachers are at the other campuses. So, so they're like, dude, here's the thing. We're not editing this. We don't have time tonight. So whatever you do on stage is going out tomorrow to the thing. So I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. I've done that before. But for some reason, I was like, man, we don't want to mess up. And I, Ann asked me at the beginning of the message, so what do you remember about parenting when our kids were little, you know? And I just, I had written down in my notes because I thought she might ask me that. I had written down, you know, I can remember never thinking I'll never get another nap the rest of my life because, you know, you know how exhausting it is. You're like, I can't even take a nap anymore. So I looked out of my notes and I don't know why I'm just, you know, I'm trying to say it right. And what came out of my mouth is I said, I remember thinking I'll never take another crap the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the congregation just starts they laughing. Oh, they loved it. And I yelled back to the video team. I'd be like, Hey, you're editing that out for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And the next day I started getting texts from everybody. Yeah. I'm still getting texts 10 years later. Cause they never edited it out. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> you can't unring that bell. Words that don't matter. matter. Yeah. Words yeah. matter. Consonants matter. Apparently. But that's parenting right there too. You don't even yeah. take a crap by yourself. We all know <laughs> that. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those young years, those are real. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a salve to my soul and Selena's especially knowing that those years are coming when we will be able to again take naps. <laughs> <laughs> once again and um, other you, things yeah and other things um you talk about in the book uh creating four, yeah, stages four stages of parenting and you created the four stages of parenting what do you mean by that and, and what are they well i mean you know as as you raise them from birth and and you know we're now empty nesters you look back and you're like oh there's these different seasons and you know this you're in it right now mm -hmm. but like zero to like 12 we really felt like those are critical years right um, even though they're exhausting emotionally and physically, they're critical for what we call the discipline years and really the training years, because you're pouring into their young little minds, values and perspectives. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, you know, the bedtimes at night and what no means. I mean, all that stuff that's so hard because it doesn't seem like it's working. It's like I said, no, and they don't even stop, you know, it's just <laughs> oh, crazy. Youngest. And is youngest. It, yeah, there you go. You're living it. I mean, it's just exhausting. Yeah, my uh, my daughter-in-law just texted me a few minutes ago of just saying, like, I am at my wits end, <laughs> you know, with one of our grandkids, our grandsons, because he's just strong and he's two, you know, and it feels like when you're in that stage, it's going to go forever and you fear what they will become as adults. But I think in those stages, that zero to 12, those are critical years. I remember somebody saying, we did this actually at a conference. We took a big window and like a window pane and we opened up the window as wide as it could get on this stage. And we said zero to 12, the window of your influence is wide open. Your kids are listening to your voice more than anybody's. They are, they, you know, you're making mistakes, you're failing, but man, the things that you say, the, the value of your home, what's going on in your home, they're picking it all up and they're soaking it all in. And the hard part is, I remember the first time I heard this, I went into this panic because you assume that you have 18 years <laughs> that your kids are kind clinging to every word you say, but you really have about 12 where they're really listening because after the age of 12, your window and your time of influence, not that you don't have influence, but your time that they're really listening to your voice is closing as they approach 12. And then as teenagers, they've taken all that. They know all of your morals, your values of your family. They do. They've been living there. And then at, as a teenager, they start looking outward, you know, to discover who am I and what do I believe and what do I think about the things my parents taught? I mean, they're listening to the voice of their peers and others, maybe the culture, maybe social media. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, you know, that that 12 to 18, we call it the coaching. And then uh, after 18, we call it the friendship stage. I really think parents often sometimes, and we did the same thing. It's like your kids start pulling away and it could be 14 or 15. It could be 12. You know, it's all going to be based on their maturity, uh, puberty wise. But as they start pulling away, I think often as parents, we think, oh, they're pulling away. They don't want us around. They're not listening. And I think the opposite is true. We try to say it in the book, as a parent in that stage, you want to pursue, not overbearing, right. but you still want to pursue because, uh, you know, a quote that we've heard for generations is rules without relationships equals rebellion. And it's like, we can become just that rule parent, you know, you can't go to that movie, you can't go with it. And it's like, yes, we still have rules, and we still have to enforce them. But if we're not working on the relationship part, 
Um, it yeah. could, it could just be, I'm not listening to you because I don't know you. And it's like, man, we want to pursue them. And again, we had boys. So at that stage for me, it was like figuring out what are they into and figuring out a way to spend time with them according to their bent. Like my oldest was a tech guy. So I'm like, Hey, you want to go to Best Buy every time CJ's like, yeah, cause he knows I'm going to buy him something. Right. And that got me an hour or two with CJ when he might've been not wanting to spend any time with yeah. me. Each son was different. I think parents often we step back rather than, you know what? They're, I don't have the influence I did when they were 10, but I still have incredible influence and I can work on this relationship so that when they're 20 and 25, they actually want to come home because they feel like they're friends now with mom and dad. And they do want a relationship with their parents. They yeah. may not always act like it, but I think it's important not to take it personally. That's yeah. so good. That's so good. I think you can definitely get derailed from what I'm, yeah. I'm hearing from parents that are older and more experienced they're like don't step away from that time like they yeah. are developing so much you need to press into it and like mm -hmm. Dave said find that path forward with them of where you can connect how you can connect with them um and keep building that relationship because yeah, yeah they they can they don't have to wear diapers they don't they can feed themselves <laughs> they can do all the things that you did for all the all the moments of their lives and now you're like okay so now what do I do it's like learning as a parent okay I've got to learn how to relate to them in not these just not physical ways. Yeah. yeah. Physiological ways. But mm. I wanted to talk real quick. You guys, this is so, I think it's unique to a parenting book is where you had um, some of your sons write, mm. did it, was it all three? Yeah. Uh, they wrote admissions. Yeah. Into that. And you guys read some of them. Um, maybe just a, a little bit of feedback on what you thought. I feel like that's kind of some, I mean, obviously they knew you were going to read them, but yeah. also there's some of that huh? Wow. Looking, reading from your adult. Children, yeah. What this was about parent, other parenting, this, their parenting. This was pretty fascinating for us because Dave and I are pretty open. Our mm -hmm. marriage book is, we're pretty raw. We're real. I think our family is like that. And so, you know, we're like, let's ask the boys to write. This will be amazing. Like, Hey, so we, you know, we call them all like, Hey guys, like, could you do this? Like just maybe bullet point the things we did, right. The things you wish we'd have done and be totally honest like really be honest and so then they're like are you sure <laughs> and then we're like oh oh no what are we what are they gonna say yeah, and one of the reasons we wanted to do that is as a parent i think i would read that oh, before i read what we wrote yeah like what did their right. kids say you know like did, you know because there's so many you know oh we're perfect and we did this and our kids did this um but a couple of things that stuck out when we got them yeah and then put them in our oldest son well, I, I could read it. You, you're looking at it right in front of you, but he said something to the effect of, and we didn't know how important this was at the time, but at, hearing him say it now as a, he's 35 years old, he's married. He said, I think I would have been an atheist if mom and dad didn't let me question and doubt. He, he mentioned young earth creationism. Yeah. And I remember having discussions with him when he was a teenager about that. And, I, and I'm sort of wired as a, as a skeptic. So I like that. I was like, this is awesome that he's asking yeah. these questions. And instead of saying, you have to believe this way, it's like, let's talk, let's dialogue. Let's, let's, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be asking these things. And one of the things we learned early is that your kid's faith has to be their faith, not mom and dad's. Yeah. And so they may go on a journey that looks a lot different. They may walk away for a while. 
but you've got to allow them to find their faith. At the same time, you're coaching them and you're walking beside them, yeah. but you've got to let that happen. So having CJ write that, it was like, whoa, I would have never thought he was going to write something like that. An atheist, you know, without mom and dad letting him question, but it was like, wow, that, that was a powerful wow. moment to read that. Well, you guys, even when he, this boy was four, I remember we were talking about David and Goliath and we we're talking about how David, he defeated Goliath. And so we're done with that story. And you know, we're just laying there in bed beside him, just talking, he goes, so I don't get it. He's four. It's, oh, it says, doesn't it say in the 10 commandments that we aren't supposed to kill people? <laughs> so now David chops off Goliath's head and we're celebrating that. What kind of, what kind <laughs> of teaching is that? That's what he says it for. That's amazing. So he just has that yeah. kind of mind, you uh, know, and yeah. instead of being worried, which I would yeah. do like, oh no, uh, we're fascinated. Like, oh man, look how smart you are. Look how you're asking great questions. And I, and I will add one other yeah. one. Uh, my youngest Cody um, was on staff with me at our church. So the last seven years we've been co-preachers. Wow. He and I both shared weekends and it was really a beautiful thing. He actually played for the lions for a couple seasons too. So Initially, I thought the coolest thing I'll ever be a part of is I'm the chaplain. He's a wide receiver with the Lions. And yet, uh, when he came on staff, it was even better, you know, because we're doing ministry together and I'm hearing him dream about what the church could look like for his generation. But one of the things Cody put in there, and this was hard to hear this, and we've actually had a conversation uh, about it besides just him writing it in the book. But he said, you know, Dad, I felt like you were more. Uh, vulnerable and transparent with the congregation than you were with us. Wow. In other words, you were more vulnerable with thousands of people than you were in our family room or our kitchen. And I, I remember when he said that, and actually my middle son, and he both said it to me, that's a fun moment. You know, when your adult <laughs> son say, Hey, let's go play golf. And they really want to, yeah. you know, sit down and talk. But I mean, they both said it. And you know, the second it came out of their mouth, I knew they were right. There was nothing in me that said, what are you talking? It was just like, oh my gosh, you're right. Cause they, they'd be like, we've been sitting at church on a Sunday morning and you tell this story about some struggle in your life and we've never heard it and wow. they're hearing it. And these aren't people that are in your family. And again, I'd never thought it. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, when they told me that I said, I'm sorry, but I also knew this, it's easier to do it with a thousand mm -hmm. than it is with your own flesh and blood. Cause that's, that's, that's vulnerable. And that's yeah. mm -hmm. almost courageous to do it there. But at the same time, you know, I thought, well, I'm not done yet. I mean, they're, they're adult men. I'm adult. I can, I can get better. And so it was, okay, wow. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to step in courageously to be more honest with them. I'm not saying I'm doing a great job. I had told Dave that for years. Yeah, she had. I mean, in our marriage, even like, hey. Okay, you didn't have to tell that. <laughs> <laughs> she was. One of the things. Speaking of vulnerability here. Yeah. yeah, right. It was funny. I wrote a chapter on uh, guilt and shame mm. um, when our kids were little, man. I don't know if you guys have done this, but, you know, you go to bed at night. And as a mom, Dave didn't do this as much. Like he didn't go back and reflect over the day. He would just be asleep and I would be wide awake, just feeling like I failed today. You know, I failed again today. And then I'm recounting things that I said, or I did how that's going to mess the kids up. And mm. I, oh, it was constant. And then, 
And I had already apologized to the kids. I did think you hear? Do you hear Selena? <laughs> yeah. She was like, "Yeah, like you've had this she's verbatim been conversation in my head and in our room." <laughs> and so, a couple months. <laughs> then it's so bad. And this is when they're little. You just feel like you have no life, and I'm I'm short and irritable. And so then when and even though I'd apologize to the boys, I would get up sometimes and wake them up to apologize again. And then as they got older. I started writing letters to them at night and they'd wake up with the note. They all talk about that now, you know, like remember when mom would do those notes all the time of apology. And we had one of our sons say like, mom would always write these notes to us apologizing over and over. And I really never needed that. Just the apology. And she would say it and she felt bad. And we'd talk about it. We'd pray. He's like, I never thought a thing about it again. I knew she loved me. And I knew it, we'd, we'd be great the next day. And everybody has bad days. I think the grace our kids give us yeah. is so much greater than the grace we give ourselves. And I think it's so important, too, that there is an enemy of our soul who is the accuser, who only seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And man, I feel like his goal is to totally corrupt our thinking and to discourage us as parents and to breed fear and shame in our minds. Wow. Um, right reading our mail, you guys. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I mean, everything you've talked about, and that's the title of the book, No Perfect Parents. I love that even from the skepticism of our children and not having all the answers right, you know, ready to go and feeling like that's okay. That I don't mm -hmm. have to. We right. know the one who, who created all this. He mm -hmm. has the answers. We have his word in front of us. And that's in terms of their, our minds, but also yeah. in terms of their hearts, realizing that we're going to mess up. Our kids have grace for us that is in a lot of ways um, – otherworldly right we don't understand it we don't think we deserve it i think that's a reflection and so the beauty of of, of admitting this the title of this book is that we're not perfect parents mm. is that we can then look to the parent who is perfect right our yeah. father yeah. in heaven and that's the good news of the gospel that in in our brokenness that is where he is more than enough to make up the difference and then mm. i just love like it's so thank you guys for the ministry you're doing because here you are with grown children mm -hmm. and we need you and folks mm -hmm. like you to boldly proclaim these truths because we it's hard to see like we lose sight of the forest for the trees right yeah yeah, yeah. and so um this book i can't recommend it highly enough uh to our listeners no perfect parents by dave and ann wilson um go, go check it out buy it wherever you get your books i guarantee it will bless your your your, your marriage your parenting it'll bless <laughs> your lives there it is um so do you guys have any uh you know kind of closing thoughts and how um like what are some encouragements for I don't know, parents, as we mm -hmm. hop off this and what, you know, I don't know, what, what is the Lord leading you? How can you encourage us today? Yeah, I think just a couple quick things is one of the things we did with our kids. And honestly, we didn't do this every single night, but close to it because this is a priority. We'd lay down with our kids and pray with them before they'd mm -hmm. go to bed. And it was interesting too, because the first son that got married, uh, we got down on our knees um, that night. Before his wedding. Before his wedding night. This is the last night that he's in our home under our roof and laid hands on him, prayed for him, prayed for his future, for his wife, for his family. They now have four kids. Mm. And I remember asking like, what, what will you miss about living under our roof? And he said this, mm. this right here of you guys praying for us, talking to us at night, you know, and at the time they're squirrely and they're <laughs> bouncing off the walls and they're, I, but when I remember hearing that, I thought, wow, sometimes you just want to get downstairs and escape from the long day, mm -hmm. turn on Netflix or veg out or whatever. But 
those times are really important. And one of the other things that I love that we did too is Dave, from the time our son was first son was born, he fasted every Friday for our kids, for their futures, for their marriage, for their walk with God. And I love that he did that. I did that with a couple girlfriends. And um, I feel like the time that we spend on our knees is never lost. Every single prayer that goes up, every single plea to God, it always says in the scriptures, and they cried out to God. And the next part says, and he heard them. He hears us no matter where we are. Yeah. And I, I would just add my last thought would be, um, especially as they get older, they're going to catch yeah. your faith rather than you're teaching it to them there. I mean, I, we put it in the teenage chapter, but it's so critical that you model because they, you know, we know this, they're watching from little, little boys and girls when they're three or four or five years old, but man, when they're 13, 15, 16, you can say whatever you want about God and your faith. They're just really, they sniff it out. If it's not real, <laughs> You know, and, uh, you know, you saw it in the book, but a lot of it is based on Deuteronomy 6, which is a great pattern for how to raise, you know, children that love the Lord. And again, there's no guarantees, but, you know, as you look back on that, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he's, he's writing this to, to parents and press these on your children. But where does he start? You, as mom and dad, love the Lord yes. with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you can't, you can't fake that. And you can't put that in your kid if they don't see it in you. And so I would just say to parents is even as I look in the mirror, it's like, man, this is all about you walking with Jesus. Yeah. You know, if you want your kids to walk with Jesus, the best thing you can do is get on your knees and ask God to do something in you and then ask him to do that in your kids and then trust him for the result. Cause he's a good God and you can trust him. Yeah. Amen. All the amens to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting over here trying to hold it together. <laughs> Cause you guys are just, you guys are ministering to us in deep and profound ways. So don't mind me. <laughs> are you over there crying? Yeah. Uh, what was that about? Everything you're saying is just great. Yeah. Uh, it's medicine. It's we're, we're in the thick of it and it's, it's yeah, you are. So it's yeah. good. This is going to bless a lot of people. You guys. Thank you. Well, That's good. The, yeah. And it's just the, you, you, I, yeah. You can just lay in bed at night and just cry about the yeah. failures and uh, yes. falling short and trusting that my repentance to them models Christ. It uh, does. Like, honestly, they don't remember those times. They really don't. Uh, here's what they remember. Yeah, mom was crazy sometimes because I'm, I was crazy, you guys. You read some of this heard stuff. About the walls, so. I know. And I pushed our other son in the snowbank and uh, it's just like crazy. But the Were relationship dangling him off the top of the stairs was that you? <laughs> no, that but... was her, really. Yeah. <laughs> but they see how much you love them, and yeah. you're not wrecking them. They're just they're seeing that we're all broken, and we need yeah. Jesus. <laughs> you're, I, I'm telling you, every woman is feeling that. My yeah. daughter-in-law is in the midst of that right now. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Yeah. Well, that's good. This is going to be an amazing inaugural interview on the Fierce Parenting Podcast. <laughs> Thank so, you, guys. Good. Yeah, and tell yeah. your listeners if we can help anyway, just reach out yeah. to us on social media, and we will, you know, direct yeah. message, and we'll we'll help any way we can. Dave and yeah. Ann Wilson. 
Yeah, you guys are a blessing to us. You're a blessing to our listeners. You're a blessing to the body of Christ. So thank you for this book. Thank you for the work you're doing. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. And hopefully uh, we'll come visit you sometime. In, yeah, let's do it. In Orlando. Yeah, We'd love that. Down there. So, thank yeah. you guys for all you're doing too. Yeah, yeah. Guys, absolutely. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Parenting Podcast. For more resources, visit fierceparenting.com. And for daily encouragement, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to support this ministry, please leave a rating or a review in your podcast app or visit patreon.com slash fierceparenting to become a monthly partner. We hope this episode has blessed you immensely. Take care.